Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's rebooting the whole timeline. I'm Alex. When you're wandering through the dark and you look up, you're like, whoa, I'm wearing a hat, a different hat that I used to wear in the comics. You're (laughs) like, whoa, that's a different time. 1955. Okay, I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the Riverdale Season 6 finale, Episode 22, Chapter 117, Night of the Comet. It all comes down to this as the super teens deal with the ramifications of Percival Pickens' big spell from the last episode that is causing Bailey's Comet to come directly for Riverdale. Lots of things come to bear here, and I really am going to keep the recap minimal that, uh, because there's so oh, much yeah. to talk about in this episode. Let me what? just say, Good yeah. luck think, with of, this. think of the journey we've gone on. Yes. That, that's the statement that you said to kick <laughs> off this episode from last season. Yeah. That's a journey. A comet is coming for our teens, nay, super teens, as you said. That's... That's a lot. We've changed a lot in this time. Yeah, we've really grown over the course of the past year, and it looks like we're going to grow even more into next year because of the wild cliffhanger at the end there. Uh, But, and lots of stuff to talk through, I just want to mention right up front, nailed it. There's the ending. (laughs) Yes. We we nailed it. (laughs) True. When you it was happening, and this is specifically your prediction, I believe, um, Alex. I was like, I can't believe that we called it on this podcast. (laughs) Actually, going back in time because that's not a likely situation. No, not going back in time. Not. I I think you mentioned. So we talked about this in the last podcast. You weren't here, Pete. We talked about you guys called blood in, blood out, and then everybody's going to give Cheryl. No, no, no. no. Listen, I want to be like to be fair to saying nailed it. We say a lot of things, (laughs) but but one of the last things that we said on the last podcast was I think you threw out. We were talking about like this crisis on infinite earths type scenario where the timeline gets rebooted. And then we were throwing back and forth like, yeah, that scenario usually have one character, maybe like Jughead remembers what went on. That is true. I forgot that. That's 100% what happened. We also threw out like, maybe they're going to go back to high school or something like that. Maybe they'll go back to the 1950s. All of that was true. So there you go. It was. That is crazy. Now that you say that, because we almost called it in order occurrence in a weird way. So, all I'm saying is like we it, it's actually more of a problem, I think, for us going forward, because that means we are thinking in Riverdale, which is good for this <laughs> podcast, but bad for the rest of our lives. For I our think. Lives. Yes. Yeah, for and real I lives. think nobody should go back and check to see if the rest of our predictions came true, which I'm sure they did. No. Oh, no, no, no. I said a bunch of stuff about pocket dimensions, Rivervale. <laughs> like, there's, I, there's plenty to say that was wrong. Yeah, you yes. went on like a whole Polly Pockets rant. But I, I, I did really, say, I I did was, say Big Baby Anthony. So Big Baby Anthony stays. 
Yeah, big baby. They were right about that, too. Uh, yeah, it was just exactly what you said, Justin. I could not believe at the end of the episode, like, oh, that was almost word for word what we said on the last podcast. That's pretty weird. That never happens. But so many things well, to talk about in this episode. congratulating each other, let's get to it, because a lot happened here. Uh, so wow. much happened here, and I feel like it's worth walking through this episode and taking little pauses as we go and uh, probably screaming and jumping all over the place. But before we do... I want to talk qualitatively about this season, like looking at the end of the season. I know I've been very critical about it. I know you guys have been a little more positive. Um, how do you feel yeah. about how this wrapped up as well as this finale episode? Justin? I feel pretty great. Um, we talked a little bit on the last episode about how there's so many plot threads and it felt like um, the characters are just running through and saying stuff that needs to happen. Um, in the the PP episode, the the PP and a peacoat um, battle episode, um, but it, this episode I feel like brought to bear a lot of the emotional issues that I think we've been talking about all season and series, and really set us up for um, some great interesting stuff. And like we also predicted, a, a bit of a reset on the ships. But I will say. This it landed a little bit more solidly in the relationships as they are now than I thought they would. It felt like Veronica spending the last time with uh, last day on Earth, potentially with Reggie was uh, a surprise for me. Um, And I'm curious. And and Barchi seems very strong. Uh, Jughead seems like he's just in love with typewriter stuff, (laughs) uh, which is fine. Tabitha, come on. Yeah, Come on, and man. Tabitha, of course. And but that's so what I mean, like the Tabitha. Their, uh, their the Jabba, minute together was beautiful. That was really nice. That, that was one of my favorite parts of the oh episode. My God. But the, the Jabitha relationship feels very strong um, yeah. as well. So uh so yeah. Pete, what about you? What about, What's your overall take on the season and this episode? Well, it's hard. It's, it was a real emotional roller coaster. I did not see the blood in, blood out form like Voltron. Cheryl has all the powers and has the ability to uh, stop a whole comic by herself. So I, I did not see any of that coming. Uh, I, as a season, though, I mean, the fact that at the end, just at the end, they're like, hey, Shoney. We're going to show you a little love. Don't you worry about it, you Shoney shippers. We'll give you a little something to hang on to as the world comes crashing down around you. So I, uh, there was some really roller coaster fun moments in the season as a whole. Uh, you know, this hope for others as we get a reset, which is exciting for people who kind of like haven't felt like the best in some of the relationships. So, um, I mean, it's another season of Riverdale that is an insane show. Another new two geniuses. I don't think you can call anything. So it's a it's a fun <laughs> ride that doesn't take itself seriously and gets insane. Uh, I'm real. I'm holding out hope though that we check in with Peepy, and I'm hoping the devil is ripping him into pieces like he did that comic book, which was so far out of line and so fucked up. I hope he's burning in hell for that alone. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's really <laughs> naturally, uh, Pete, you're trying to squeeze all your opinions from last episode that you missed into this episode. You're goddamn right. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said earlier, I've been very mixed on this season. There's been some real standout moments I think that have happened throughout. And I love this finale. I thought this was a fantastic episode that really yeah. got me emotionally. And that's a lot of the stuff that I've been missing this season is those deep emotional moments, which I'm sure we're going to jump into and talk to talk about. And like you were saying, Justin, I think this brought things together really nicely in a way that I felt 
was somewhat scattershot in the previous episode. Um, overall, not my favorite season of Riverdale, but I do appreciate mm. I appreciate the ambition here. Like like we've talked about a lot, what other show is going to do this? What other show is going to start with, we're a small town with some darkness, and a guy is killed, and that really emphasized the darkness in our small town. And six seasons later, like, well, we all have superpowers, and a comet is coming to kill us. The, that progression is utter insanity. A lot of the writers have pointed out, like, yeah, that's what the Archie comics are like. Uh, this... That, I think, if anything, is the thing that they've leaned into over time is like, we're Archie Comics, we can do anything, and that's not what I expected from the show. That's not necessarily what I need from the show, but I appreciate what they're doing and the craft that they're putting into it. And again, I'm very excited about the place that they end up here. So why don't we... Yeah, go ahead, Pete. I just wanted to say, I agree with this rooster. Uh, I think every time you talk, all I hear is quack, ah, you know, so it's nice to have that sound effect still. Ah, oh, dang it, I got roostered. You got rooster, kid. I have a soundboard at where I am, so I'm just going to play this rooster occasionally. Uh, all right. It's well, like a z- the Zoo Morning Crew review. Oh, you of, just uh, roostered uh, yourself there. I thought it's only fair. Okay. Uh, it's well, only fair. Nice to you. So we start off the episode with Jughead setting off the comet uh, is coming for Riverdale. They have barely any time to survive or stop it, and they don't know what they're going to do. Enormous, insane stakes. And to amp it up even bigger, Percival has erected an invisible barrier over Riverdale that you can't get. You can get in but you can't get out yeah. uh, and nobody outside knows this is happening. All of this stuff was insane, but I'll tell you what, I love the setup of the stakes here. I thought it was really smart, uh, really interesting. And given we were kind of down on the explanatory nature of the last episode, I thought they got all of this stuff out of the way really nicely at the beginning to explain why this is going to work the way it works, and then they sort of just went on from there. Uh, how'd you guys? Well, let me yeah. Let me throw this out. It felt like they were um, very much only concerned with Riverdale, like a comet hitting the Earth. That's a problem. That's gonna. <laughs> I, I'm basing this on the science, the documentary Armageddon, uh, right, right. featuring some of my favorite performances. Um, that uh, would, that would kill everyone. Yep, they were sort of like, if we could just get underneath this force field, we could hide out in Greendale, one town over, and completely avoid comet disaster, which well, doesn't think quite track. It, it, that doesn't quite track, but I was actually okay with it because I feel like using the Riverdale logic and the magic logic, you got this barrier around the town. My assumption is the comet's going to hit Riverdale, destroy Riverdale, and not actually destroy the Earth, not actually affect anything else. And that's why this the way the spell is set up the way it's set up. Um, uh, presumably, afterwards, there's an enormous crater there where Riverdale was, but if we went by what... Except Tabitha for Pops. Said, except except for, for Pops. That's what I was going to yeah. get to. <laughs> because Pops oh, is sorry. powered by ghosts. Yeah. The ghosts, we still never really dealt with those four ghosts hanging. Um, that's all right. So the, the, the force field was like a giant um, like uh, golf hole, and the comet was the so golf ball that was going to go sink in one destroy them, and then they were going to just... I assume it's a situation like the end of Buffy, where the Hellmouth destroys all of Sunnydale, and you end up with this big crater there. That's presumably what it would have happened, but obviously it didn't, because Cheryl stopped it and sent them back in time, as one does. 
Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'll mention about this setup at the beginning that I really liked is the reveal, which we were wrong about, but the reveal that seemingly this whole season was not written by Rivervale Jughead, but actually written by 1950s Jughead, who was putting down the story of what actually happened over the course of the season. And I thought that was a great setup at the beginning and a great reveal at the end as well. Yeah, and one thing that I'm uh, shocked about is we didn't get the multiple Jughead stuff sort of we didn't land that in a way it just sort of we just have it happens to be our jughead who's back in time telling the story of the thing that he lived and not a multi-dimensional situation wait you didn't like tuxedo mahjong playing jughead i love all that that was last okay. episode uh and i'm i was here for that but that's our it's our jughead yeah it's all well, let me let me throw jughead. out a crazy theory that we can check back in in about a year's time about and i'm sure we'll remember but I feel like since we know there's probably going to be 22 episodes in the next season, my thought is we're not going to stick in the 1950s the entire time for 22 episodes. Mm. I think we're going to have a walk through time. I think we're going to slowly link back up to the end here so and go through not just the entire history of Archie Comics through these characters, but also the history of Riverdale, which means that we could loop back to the Rivervale stuff and the multiple Jugheads and all of that by the end of the next season, potentially. Uh, I think that's fair. I I bet you this 1950s uh, run will be similar to Rivervale was this season. It'll be something we get to play around with for a little bit. And then a a momentous uh, event pushes them forward in time, whether we stop in a couple different eras or go fully back to um, present day. Well, why don't we keep going with this? Uh, So we got the setup there. We also find out that Big Anthony and Archie will both live uh, because they are immortal and invulnerable. Um, hopefully, Big they baby can start. A, yeah, hopefully they can start a society together. I think that would be really sweet to see. Um, and then we get a really nice scene with Alice talking to Betty and Polly and apologizing to them. And the very funny line from Betty: "It's a comment, Mom," which made me laugh out loud. Betty across the season and especially in this episode is just like. I don't know. Did it work? Ugh, this is so intense. Like at the end of the episode, she was like the most nonchalant. Did it work? She was also like, hey, hey, uh, hey, Archie, ask ask me again later. You know what I mean? Like, I know I told you, like, ask me later, but like, I know a comment's coming, but like, ask me later. Oh, you know what? I'll ask you. I thought thought it was nice, even though I... Also hated All it, right, are we was... jumping right to that? Is that what we're yes. doing? Are we getting right? To... Okay, you're going out of your mind here, Pete, not talking about yeah. the Barchi proposal. Uh, so just to give a quick overview about this over the course of the episode, Archie comes to realize that uh, he not only loves Betty, but wants to spend his last moments with her, goes to Veronica, which we can talk about this scene in a second. I'm just going to do Woof. a brief overview here there, and asks what? her for a ring. And then proposes to Betty, like Pete was saying, Betty's like, when we were younger, I asked you to wait, wait until this comment is over and ask me again. But by the end of the episode, she herself realizes, no, you know what? I want to be going towards the light in my last moments here. She specifically says that to Agent Drake and proposes back to Archie. And that's where they kind of end up as the comment is coming and hitting before this reboot that throws everything out of whack. So Justin... You're our Barchi here on the podcast. How'd you feel about all this? How did he get to start this? What are you going to be? I just explained why. I said he's the Barchi here on the podcast. First off. You don't start with the counterpoint, Pete. 
Yeah, it's it's not counterpoint point. It's point counterpoint. Um, First off, let's start with the Veronica moment, which I was like, get out of here with this. There's a million rings in Riverdale. Go find another one. Hey, if you know a ring guy, you're going to go see your ring guy. You're going to go to your ex who like still, you know, has a thing and be like, hey, you got a ring. I'm going to it's like it's a little cruel, I thought. Um, I, but I then, don't think Archie. Well, there was no malice behind it. You can tell there was, no malice, there was no malice behind Archie. But I love Camila Mendez's reaction there. Like I don't know if that was in the script or something she did or the director. But when she's like, "Yeah, of course I'll help you," and then turns to the camera and is like, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> it was great, and like that's why I think these I think actors that was are, what we were all doing as we were watching it. We were just kind of like, "Oh my god, is this really happening?" These actors are so good, they can sell those moments and really encapsulate all the emotions in just a one look. And that's the way the pace of the show is. So I thought that was great. Then Archie's proposal again. He's like, hey, my mom's here. Uh, by the way, uh, can I marry you? I was like, dude, a little more romance. Um, but I like I appreciate I, Betty putting the ice on it. I was surprised. But um, it was all worth it because I think her proposal to him was awesome. Yeah. Uh, loved all of that. And just where we end up, I feel like Barchi's uh, irrefutable at this point. You oh, can't... What are you talking about? We got mind wiped, dude. The only person who knows is Jughead, and he ain't going to say shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, this whole well, last He's going to say, gonna I love Tabitha, like, I think. Well, we'll see. You, you don't know. Wow. You don't know that. It's, the ni- it's 1955, over. man. It's a yeah, wild time. Exactly. Wild time. Anything yeah. can happen. Um, I, a couple of quick things to throw out of this plot line. I also really like this, these duo proposals. I thought they were really well executed by the actors. I thought of the first scene, it was very funny that Betty gives this whole speech to Archie about, you don't have to be the hero always. You can just be yourself. You are a hero. That's who you naturally are. And Archie's like, yeah, you're right. I don't always have to do that. Well, off to destroy this barrier. <laughs> well, he, I mean, him I'm hammering the barrier with a giant hammer. I was like, dude, this is insane. Yeah, but that like, was the like Asgardian uh, weapon, the Asgardian mace for the last episode, right? That he was well, using. Right. Yeah, yep. I don't know. I was just like, all of it is pretty wild. But I, I also think um, the whole thing of like, Archie, you don't have to be a hero. Like, it's sort of like, Archie, you're not the main character, but he is the main character. So like, you can't be the show saying like, let's cool off him being a hero. But it's he is sort of the show is built toward. Well, that. that's what his mom was saying. That was what was interesting about the juxtaposition to Betty being like, hey, cool your jets, calm down. And her mom like being like, look at you, you're digging in the tunnel on the last day you have alive because you're a hero. So it's like he is who he is. And Betty is just trying to be like, hey, it's all right if maybe you kind of like turn it down a little bit. You don't have to change who you are. But like, you know, you don't always have to have the weight of the world on your shoulders. So, uh, yeah, I I thought that, you know. I thought it was I was laughing when he first got denied because I was like, oh, man, maybe there's hope yet. But uh, when she turned around and then kind of turned the tables, that was really nice and very touching. And I was very moved by it. But I was also very much excited about the fact that in this last season, all ships be who knows, because we got a blank slate and it's the if the 50s. So there's a lot to kind of deal with. Yeah. I mean, just to take a, a step back there, I 
what this episode did really nicely, like we've been talking about, is those emotional underpinnings of what would you do with your literal last day on Earth? And uh, talking about Archie in particular, this idea that he has to come around to that exactly like you were saying, Pete, him going into the mines, him banging on the barrier, him doing all these things. That's not what he actually wants to do or what he should be doing. He should be with Betty. That's the thing that I think ultimately turns her around and is like, you know what? Actually, I'm going to propose. Let's do this. And then beyond that, uh, just that beautiful, terrifying moment of them all standing at the window was pretty wonderful as well. Well, I think there's something to be said also for the conversation she has with Agent Drake. Um, she's like, Agent Drake offers her like, hey, we want to put you in charge of um, the murder Psychos, stuff. Yeah. The murder stuff at the FBI. I was like, oh, nice. Uh, great promotion opportunity. But and she says no. And she sort of puts to bed all of the Agent Drooper stuff. And is just like, you know what? I'm ready to chase the light. And I think that means proposing to Archie. It was a direct correlation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I thought all this stuff was great. Like Pete is saying, you know, TBD, what's going to happen the next season? Uh, and certainly we could talk about TBK. that more. TB, probably not in the 50s. Well, 1950s see. with his uh, like slicked back garbage bag on his head or something like that. That'd be fun. Uh, so let's jump back to walking through this because then we get a big thing and we could probably jump over and talk about Jughead and Tabitha. Um, oh, sorry, I, I missed first. Reggie got the Hiram painting for Veronica, and that becomes a big plot line over the course of this episode as Veronica first, uh, in a very funny way, rebuffs Reggie's advances, which I thought was hilarious. Great. Though, yeah. like, I feel like by the end of the episode, you're sort of like, oh, that's pretty sweet, their relationship. But I guess yeah. if it's a sweet friendship, that's what it is. Yeah. That's what I took away from it. And I thought it was very Reggie, like perfectly Reggie for him to be like, okay, yeah, we're not going to hook up. I get it. And then by the end of the scene, be like, but maybe. And, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. and she's like, no. And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Just check it. Just making sure. Yeah. That, that's very Reggie. And it's great. And it in... I was about to say a weird way, but I think probably in a very direct way, a lot of what we're getting a setup here almost feels like resetting these characters to their comic book faithful origins in a certain way so that we can see that when we get into the next season in the 1950s. Well, as we all know, uh, Archie's comic started in 1950s, so that's why they're bringing it back here. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, Pete, dropping some. Wow. Have you been doing research in your week no, off? No, I, I, uh, I'm completely making that up. I just. Oh. I have have you, you been reading a lot won. of Madhouse Glads? <laughs> reading a lot of that. I'm a huge Big fan. fan. Huge Big fan. fan. Mid- yeah. Madhouse Glads. I'm a huge. I'm a huge fan of the one that got ripped apart in uh, Jughead's brain last episode. That's my Stop. favorite one. That was. Why would you bring that up? That was an uh, awful moment, and the fact that like. They allowed it to happen was just uh, it was painful. It was absolutely painful to watch. So for a second, jumping over to uh, Jug, not a second. We should probably spend some time on this. Let's talk about Jughead and Tabitha. So Zandra Cabot comes back and she is what? offering. This was wild. This Come was to on. see her. First off, I love her. You didn't know you wanted. Didn't I was like you chose now to come in and like offer some like other plot stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, this is like some other season of Riverdale just popped up to say, hello. Franchise, baby, franchise. But I love her entrance. It was so like Twin Peaks, both the music and the way it was shot, and sort of like, here's another fold to the mystery. Um, it was very cool. Yeah, it's it's hard to hook into specifically with this 
how this affects anything that goes forward, giving the time travel twist and everything. But I think it was ultimately wrapping up the plot line with Tabitha and with Pops in this season, as well as just like giving some hope for the future type thing. I mean, that's what I took away from it. It was definitely the thing that felt like Betty and Archie need to concentrate on each other. Veronica and Reggie uh, are a hit this friendship place. Shoni, we'll get to in a second. Um, and I think that does indicate things. But Tabitha Ooh, signing wow. a contract for more diners and then going back to 1955. I don't know. I don't know how that uh, affects anything plot wise going forward. Yeah, I, I do think that is uh, that's a fair point. Also, was the whole them watching Titanic together like a red herring that one of the that Jughead was going to die? Um, that felt to me like maybe something changed at some point because we've been told repeatedly Jughead is going to die this season. That didn't happen at all. Other than not even di- close. other than I'm dying that well, one time, it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but we don't like, know what uh, what diner Jughead exists. So the well, dead diner, then, he's the ghost it, in the dead, the diner of death, exactly. the dead diner of death. That's right. PP and a Pico, the dead diner of death. And <laughs> he does also have that line after they watch Titanic where he says, you know how it's going to end, but it's still a gut punch. And that's not what we get here. So, yes, uh, I don't know. It felt well, like maybe. maybe there was something else that was going to happen that got changed at some point. But in a whole, the Jughead Tabitha storyline was beautifully done. And maybe my favorite Jughead Tabitha thing that's happened the entire show. Just like we talked about, there's uh, the Xandra storyline, then they go watch Titanic, and Tabitha's like, you've never seen it. we got to spend the three hours and 14 minutes, even though the world is about to end watching this movie. And then she says, I want you to go on one last epic date with me. And they live out their entire lives at a Pops Diner booth over the course of one minute in a time bubble. And I, like, got choked up and was almost crying. I thought it was beautiful. I agree. It was so cool and sweet and touching, especially for something that was like, I'm going to create a time bubble around us because I can do that in this universe and we're going to live our lives out in such a way. Like, they were able to push past sort of all the, like, the specifics that got them there and just have this great moment, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, it was very moving. It was very moving. <laughs> but let me, throw, let me throw this out. Them living their lives out together, does that mean that relationship has concluded? It's I, – I feel like it is nearly impossible to say since – and I don't you know quote me on this, but I, I know that Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa said they did have an idea for the season until this idea came up. And that kind of trumped it a little bit. But I don't know how far they're into planning the seventh season. Like we talked about, there's 22 episodes. And I got both feelings. Like, I feel like we're jumping to the end here. But I got both feelings for the episodes. I got the feeling of like, oh, Jabatha, Shoni, Barchi, those are the end games based on this episode. And then you have that time travel tryst. And I felt like, on the other hand, it could be none of those things. It could be something entirely new. We could be going back to... The classic love triangle. You could have asexual Jughead, I guess. Like, they could go in literally any direction there. So I think emotionally, they are cresting this stuff. But to your point, the Jabatha thing is either a wrap-up or dialing in on it being Ed Game. And the Shoney thing, just to jump ahead to that... We're told that they are end game as well, and then we are completely thrown for a loop with the 1950s stuff. So all the evidence points in 
every single direction. And honestly, I think like <laughs> yeah, no, we started think, this episode well, being I, great detectives, one. and we're ended, we're bringing it to a close, being like all the clues are pointing at everyone. Case closed. <laughs> but I think what you're missing, Stelps, is if they would have if the shot would have continued past Jughead in the booth, you would have seen that it wasn't Jughead. It was actually a bear wearing Jughead skin at the end. Uh, so I thought you were going to say if it continued, it would have been two skeletons sitting there, mm. which also would have been cool. All great, <laughs> <laughs> All great predictions. Uh, but yeah, you want to talk about the Shoney thing? Because I know you're saying it's an end game predictor potentially, but I found it to be sort of sad. It was a little bit heartbreaking. I thought the way There's so much left. going on there. And I have yeah. the biggest questions, particularly about that one. Like I think, like we're saying, with Barchi, you can look, just forgetting anything could happen for a second and like anything can happen. But I think with Barchi, anything is possible. Anything is possible. But I think the way that we leave this episode, if we're just taking the evidence of this episode, you got Barchi two proposals. So a lot of next season would on the surface be about how do they work their way back to each other? Jabatha. Right. I think same sort of thing, particularly because Jughead is the same Jughead and he knows what's going on. You don't know that. But Shoni, to talk about this plot line, and there's so many wild things that happen here, but the short version is that they resurrect Abigail to get her help with stopping the comet, and she wants something in return. And what she wants in return is for Abigail and Thomasita to go in Cheryl and Tony's bodies. So Cheryl and Tony, their souls go into a jar that Heather is holding. Abigail and Tomasita hook up and then the next morning they wake up and Tony's ready to leave and Cheryl is like, thank you. Heather breaks up with Cheryl, though, because she says, no, it's clear you are soulmates. Your love is written in the stars. And that's where we kind of leave things with the little appendix here of we get a musical number at the end. And it's pretty clear that Cheryl and Tony are duetting in that number as the comet is about to hit. So... I think what you're getting at, not to jump ahead and talk for you, Justin, but I think what you're getting at here is like, we're told multiple times Cheryl's love is written in the stars by other characters. Cheryl clearly seems it to Tony. Tony still seems to be like shutting down her feelings a little bit or a lot of bit. Completely, I would argue. Yes, but... Who who knows? Like who knows what could happen? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I ran out of gas cool. there right at the end because yeah, I don't sure did. definitely. But um, but who knows? But I don't know. What are we doing? A podcast? What's going on? The murderer um, is all of us. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I, I brought th- you into this room to reveal who the murderer is. It's one of you, right? <laughs> yeah. Dot dot dot. <laughs> Anybody want to speak uh, up? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's very complex, the kind of uh, the way, uh, you know, it kind of ended as far as who wants what. Uh, But uh, the Shoney uh, love is real and it's written in the stars. So you got to think that maybe there's a chance. That's the fun thing about where this episode ended is. Everybody has a chance. There was a restart, and you know, maybe this so called jughead who isn't a ghost and living in a diner remembers some things, but who's going to listen to a ghost in a diner? Except for everyone in this season of Riverdale. Um, the uh, I agree with you, and I think the biggest clue to point us in the true direction, I think, is the duet 
of the Billie Eilish song where we see Tony. Cheryl is definitely singing to Tony, I think, as she's also getting ready to uh, burn the ice out of a comment. Um, <laughs> but she, I think Tony, despite the fact that she's with Fangs physically, you know, the room is singing out. I think she's singing to Cheryl. So that I do think is an indicator that we are going to get Shoni and that that is true. But I was just so surprised by how ice cold the Tony's departure was after like a pretty intense sex scene for Riverdale. Um, They just, she's like, but not even a a moment, not even one lingering look. And we talked about like the looks on this show are sort of where the power is. Camila Mendez, all of it. We don't even get a little look from her. So I, I, they're keeping their cards very close to the vest um with shoni but i do think um you're right the the duet is a is the clue to follow well and i i think getting back to that that's tony has big baby anthony who she's still kind of treating as a baby here even though he's going to be serpent king because he's the only person that's going to survive the comment she is and also they're going to be the same age now right right yeah like in the 50s he's like it's like tony fangs and big baby anthony are all peers well, Why? I mean, that's a big question. I, I think, hold on, I want to come back to that in a second. But also, I think she is, she's married to Fags, and she knows she's married to Fags. And even with the absolutely bonkers explanation of why it is not cheating, I think she is still holding on to like, no, I'm not going to cheat on Fags. It's just going to be somebody else in my body. Uh, and then I'm going to go back to my life. Like, this is just a thing. She specifically says anything to save Riverdale. And there's no emotion there. I think she is shutting down that emotion. Um, And then to get back to the point that I wanted to get back to, we do have this some sort of reboot. Is big baby Anthony going to be there? I don't know. Is Tony going to be in high school with them with Cheryl is, and I hope they don't do this and I don't think they will do this. Is Cheryl going to be back in the closet? Like what, what does their relationship and what is their status quo? Like we get to see at the end of the episode, Archie, who seems like classic Archie, we see Betty across the street, presumably crying about James Dean dying and Alice comforting her. Uh, So I think we get like classic Betty there, but we don't see any of the characters. We don't know who they are other than Jughead or what they are or what they're about. Um, So they're probably going to go back to their classic comic book forms. But what does that mean for, like you're saying, is Tony still the mother of a child who is the same size of her? Is she a teen mother? Who knows? No idea. Yeah. Uh, but I do think, regardless, Shoni Endgame, so there you go. I think we all agree on that. Why don't we move on to no, other... So lots of other stuff to talk to. Talk about the Abigail stuff also I thought was great. I loved how they brought that back. Her being like, yeah, untie this knot. And then that'll take down the barrier. I would have got some help on that knot. That would have, mm-hmm. Cheryl was just very frustrated doing it herself. I was like, bring in the extra hands. Yeah. Um, you- right in that sort around that moment, Cheryl, when they find out the comet's made of ice, she's like, that's kind of basic, but kind of awesome. I was like, wow, <laughs> nice commentary from our girl. Yes, very meta stuff from Cheryl this episode. There's that line and the line later on where Veronica finally explains how she's going to take everybody's blood with her blood-sucking powers, get their powers, and then give it to Cheryl. And she says, I am so happy you uttered that sentence and not me, which felt like Madeline Patch being like, I have had to do so much exposition this season. Could someone else say some nonsense for a change? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Uh, and then one other line while we're going through lines, uh, when Cheryl tells Tony about her plan to let Abigail and Tomasina have one night together, uh, she says, isn't Heather going to be upset about that? And she says, ah, she's a witch, so she's fine with whatevs. <laughs> when- yeah, very funny. <laughs> and uh, while, while we're just in here, when they're talking about how, like, well, if I use my powers, the resurrected may die. There's this great shot of Nana Rose who's just like, huh? Yeah, like yeah. such a funny hot take from her. That uh, was right. funny. They're like, "Well, how many people would die?" And they just go down the list. They're like, "Yeah, they would die. Uh, this would die." And I was like, "Oh man, that's a hell of a list." And then that also really like beyond the fact that a comet is coming, really amped up the stakes in a really nice way for solving this problem. Yeah. So almost without slagging off last week's episode too much, this was almost antithetical to last week's episode for me where they managed to give the exposition an emotional heft to it for all of the characters, which didn't quite happen the last time. Uh, Let's talk about Mary. Mary comes back into town, which is bad news for Mary, but she is getting a divorce and Uh ultimately coaches Archie through his barrier-banging thing uh, by invoking the name of Fred Andrews and what Fred would do in this situation. Pete, that had to hit you emotionally. You're always big on Fred. Oh, yeah. Anytime we give Fred a shout-out, it's a a beautiful thing. So I'm glad that they're still doing it and uh, doing it right. So... Uh, yeah, I, uh, I appreciated that. It was, uh, it was a nice moment, man. My moment of panic when it came to Fred was at the end of the episode, when they cut back to the fifties and Archie's talking to his mom, I was like, Fred should really be here. And I was like, you know, sort of that uh, like hand on the heart, like grab, yeah, like, oh, like, he uh, can't be, can't be here. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what an extra bit of tragedy here. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the thing that always hangs over it, right? Like, it's the same thing with the transitory heaven stuff. Of course, Fred should be there, but he can't, and uh, we will miss him always. Uh, Why don't we keep walking through this episode? So we touched on the Mary stuff. Um, What else do we need to call out? I'm just looking through my notes here. Not we actually covered most of it. We could take a second to talk about the blood to blood and all that. The kiss, the Veronica Cheryl, and also strong kiss. That Cheryl was like, listen, I'll do anything, but uh, I'm not going to cut my porcelain beautiful skin. You guys can yeah, go. I believe she yourselves. said her alabaster flesh is the okay. phrase that she used, which was very fun. Also, I loved another, the other meta discussion that happened there where uh, I was about to say battle and fetch, but uh, yeah. Cheryl called it out for being queer baiting and Veronica showed back. That's yeah. not queer baiting. It's saving the world, audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, right. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Pretty wild. I love that um, she sees the aura and then instantly Veronica's like, well, let's move right to the gun test. I was like, yeah, yeah, wait. yeah. yeah. Classic <laughs> Veronica, quick. quick uh, and trigger. I also, I love the moment. Uh, I get very, very funny now that Cheryl has all of these powers from everybody's blood and the kiss with Veronica, where she just opens a portal and says, toodles. And then steps through the portal. Very funny as well. Classic Cheryl move. Dangerous to give her all that power. Especially, and there was a second one after she had taken on Archie's power. Technically, she could survive the comet where I thought she might be like, later, I'm going to live here with big baby Anthony, I guess. No, but, you know, we were talking earlier about the whole Archie Betty hero discussion. This really was Cheryl's season. She is the one that saves everybody. We've talked a lot about how from Rivervale on, we've very much been in Cheryl's gothic, horror, supernatural world. So to have the season end with her in front of Pops in the 
pretty much straight up Jean Grey uniform floating above Pops and destroying the comet, I thought was a great moment and really brought everything together right at the end there. I agree. That was very cool. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that, that we, I guess we should talk about is how much Hiram was a part of this episode. Yeah. Um, it was surprised by Reggie saving the Hiram painting. Uh, he was the Columbo with the one more thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Veronica kissing it, it being sort of what unlocks the whole thing. So it felt like Hiram almost had a hero status here. I guess this is the season we said goodbye to him officially. It's a little bit of a redemption episode for Hiram, which I was surprised about. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it was very funny seeing Veronica kiss the painting and rot the painting and then have like, oh, my revelation is staring at my father's painting. I do wonder if they'll be able to bring Mark and Swellis back in some fashion now that we've rebooted the timeline for the final season. I guess we'll see if that happens and if he has it time. Was, we had talked about before and it was kind of crazy. How everybody was just OK with everybody after the spell was lifted, where it was like, oh, Frank's cool now. Yeah, a mom school, even though they were definitely a, a, pretty much murdering the whole town or on the side of that. So it was kind of interesting that also Hiram got a reboot as well and, a, and kind of was put in a better light. Um, we didn't mention Kevin at all, mostly because he doesn't play into this action once again here, unfortunately. They got us again. They got us Kev. again. Give but Kev more. He does end up with Moose, which is good. I like that couple. Yeah, I nice. think it's cute. Um, so that's pretty sweet. And he's hanging out with his dad at the end. We also got to see that shot. Uh, they finally untangle the ropes, and it's Heather, Britta, and Nana who are there. Love Britta. I hope yeah, with the time sh- Shout out to Britta. Great. Yeah, it's I wrote Britta with an exclamation point in my notes because I was like, "Great to see you're just looking like whoa." Yeah, <laughs> now I'm here. Uniform Hello. reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been here the whole time working on just off camera. It's cool. Um, and yeah. also ending. We mentioned this earlier, but didn't really talk about it. Ending with a song was such a surprise. Very did surprised. not see yeah. that coming. Yeah, yeah, and like full on musical number, like not. Yep. Not we're at, you know, La Bonne Nuit singing a song, but legit everybody singing in character. The, again, whatever criticisms I have, no other show is doing it like Riverdale when it comes to stuff 100%. Like I agree with that. And I, it was unsettling at first, but then I was like, this is cool. Very much Magnolia vibes, if you have oh, um, ever seen that. Um, but good stuff. Uh, So there we go. And we mentioned the end of the episode, and we've certainly done a fair amount of speculation. But anything else you want to touch on there in terms of going back to 1955, Jughead remembering he's black in the blue and gold with the hat? Is he going to have to wear that hat all season? I don't know. Well, it's we're finally going to get what a lot of people wanted, and that's young Nana Rose's life. You know what I mean? Like how she Mm -hmm. ran the high school and like what kind of crazy story she got into. (laughs) And it'll be fun to kind of get into that. You know what I mean? No, my the presumption is Rose we're not Chronicles. My presumption is we're not going back to 1955 in Riverdale times. It's that everything was shunted back to this new world where it's 1955. How that executes, how that plays out. Nana will be probably the same age. Um, everybody will be the same age as they are just in this 1955 world. And like we said, I guess we'll have to see how far that goes going forward. But I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be some twists and turns, and I'm sure Jughead will not have to wear that hat all season long. Yeah, I think and there's we'll, going to be some twists and turns. I think we're going to reset the ships a little bit, uh, specifically Archie, Betty, Veronica, 
And uh, I think we are going to get the life with Archie, which we've talked about a little bit, where we're going to see Archie go down two paths, one with uh, Veronica as his endgame and one with Betty over the course of next season. I think it's just going to be like a very slow season where not a lot of things happen. And it's just really going to be about the relationships, not insanity or River Vale or, uh, you know, any swamp ghosts or anything like that. Here's the main thing that I want out of it, since they're going back to the classic Archie comics, is we need to see KJ Appa getting his feet stuck in more buckets and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like tripping. Classic Archie dilemma. Yeah. Running under ladders, knocking things down. It's going to be great. Clumsy. Yes. Uh, oh, clumsy Archie. Well, let me say, um, there is uh, an acting teacher I had back in the day was said, on the last night of any performance, um, you got to give it to your all. You have to burn up all of the work that you've done in portraying the character that you're doing. And we're entering the last season of Riverdale. And I think they're going to burn this motherfucker down over the course <laughs> of this season. So, Pete, as much as you're saying it's going to be chill, I think it's going to be not chill. At all. I think it's going to be wild. I I agree with that. And the other thing that I have a big suspicion about that I'm sure, you know, they're playing off of in terms of freaking out people here is I do think everything's going to matter. You know, they're not going to get to a place where, yes, they've rebooted to 1955. Only Jughead remembers and that's it. We're in a new show for the final season. I think everything that's happened before, all the emotional underpinnings, every single relationship is going to matter and play into it in some way. And, you know, that's really the show's wheelhouse. That's how it works the best. I've said this a million times on the podcast, but when they're being very focused on Riverdale and what it means and Archie Comics and what that means to America, to TV, all of these things, it's going to be meta. It's going to be weird. But I'm I'm really excited about that teaser because it throws us in wild directions that we're just not going to see coming. And after the season, the show can do anything. I don't think there's any barrier. We said, like, they're not going to do powers. They're not going to do all this. Rivervale is just going to be this thing that doesn't uh, infect the rest of the show. Nope. Anything is on the table, and we're going to see everything happen next season. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap up here, I think I've already established my take on MVP of the season is Cheryl. This was Cheryl Blossom's season. In my mind, she ruled it. She had amazing lines. Everybody was in Cheryl's world and it rocked. But what about you guys? Who is your MVP for season six? Justin? I'm going to go. I'm going to say something that I don't think we've ever heard in this podcast. Betty all day, air day. This was a great turnaround. Great turnaround for um, the Betty proposal. I have loved uh, the Barchi relationship all this season. And the Archie is remarkably consistent no matter what's happening, whether he's just trying to learn the guitar or um, battling an ancient evil as an invulnerable hero. He's basically the same. It's Betty that changes. And in this, over the course of the season, I feel like she changed it a lot. She pushed through the darkness and is finally chasing a light. That light is Barchi, strong and game laid up. Wow, Pete? I you know I, I was gonna say uh, you know Cheryl, then that was taken, and then I was gonna go with the old uh, Betty standby, but now that is taken. So I'm gonna have to give it to Tabitha. Uh, Tabitha wow, really got nice. Tabitha got me choked up. Uh, I love the uh, role that she's uh, had in the show, and the the powers and how she's used them has been really beautiful and nice. So uh, I'm I've very much enjoyed this stuff, even though. Maybe uh, it's not my favorite relationship. It's won me over. It's won me over. And uh, so, yeah, uh, tip of the hat to the Tabitha. 
And I'm also going to throw it out to Big Anthony, of course. I really hope he stays away from Streganona's pasta pot in the upcoming season. And if you would like to chat with us about a Riverdale, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. Also, you can follow the podcast at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. On Twitter, we're Riverdale Dark. Instagram, Riverdale After. Facebook, Riverdale After Dark. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. And though we are wrapping up Riverdale for the season, we'll try to pop in here and again because it's probably going to yes. be a while until new episodes. Also, we have plenty more podcasts to check out. Again, you can check them all Plenty. out at comicbookclublive.com. Please check that out after dark. My brain is all Riverdale now. I'm a Riverdalian. Help! <laughs> <laughs>